is Loose Leaf, a multi-author podcast journal where we talk about goals, the ups and downs of writing, and where we try to warn you off of our greatest pitfalls. We'll keep it short because you don't have much time and we'd rather be writing. Hi, I'm Hilary Sperry. I write sweet romance and cozy mysteries. And I'm Charity Bradford. I write contemporary romance and science fantasy. Kale couldn't be with us today, but we're so excited to have Tracy Hunter Abramson with us. She writes, would you classify them all as romantic suspense or? Some of them are romantic suspense. Some of them are more thriller. Some of them are, and I do some that some people would call them sweet romance, but they really kind of lean toward a general fiction with the romance in it. So I'm kind of, I tend to to write things that don't quite perfectly fit a genre. That's (laughs) why I love you, Tracy. Thanks. Complicated things. <laughs> well, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into writing. So um, I live, I'm calling in today from Virginia. I've lived here since right after college. I graduated from BYU and then I was recruited by the Central Intelligence Agency. So that's where a lot of my ideas come from, is having worked inside the halls of Langley, um, of the headquarters for CIA. So I worked there for a few years, and then I decided that I'd really rather raise my own children than have somebody else do it for me. Mm-hmm. So I walked away from a career I loved and did not know what to do with all this amazing free time. Like, <laughs> I love my kids, but I'm going, you know, when you're used to, like, doing everything and working, you know, commuting an hour each way and being at least eight, nine hours at the office, you know, I what do I do? So, of course, mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to write. Like, I always had these stories in my head that would not shut up. So I finally gave in and said, all right, let me just start putting it on paper. And it was pretty much a hobby. And I was working with some teen, young teenagers from church and realized that there was not a lot of fiction out there that was really appropriate for those kids who were, they were past this really cute little young adult, but they wanted adult content, but not adult content, you know? (laughs) So I was like, you know, if nobody else was going to write it, I was arrogant enough to think that I could. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done really well. I know you have at least 30 or more titles out. Do you you know what the head count is now? Um, Well, if you include my novella compilations, it's over 30. Um, I think... I think On the Run, which is is coming out, the ebook are just released, and then the paperback is just coming out. Um, that, I think, is number 29 of full-length novels, plus I have a cookbook out there. But then I have I think, a, a cookbook. <laughs> yeah, that's where I started, actually. I, my mom felt so bad that, like, every time I'd call her, she says, well, which recipe do you want today? Like, she never, I never just called her just to say, hi, Mom, I love you. <laughs> So I felt guilty. I was like, Mom, we should do this cookbook because then I'll call you, like, for some other reason than than (laughs) recipes. So anyway, so we did that, and I was writing for a newspaper and stuff just as a stringer, and and I was like, you know what? I can't – fiction is my love. I can't do nonfiction and fiction at the same time. So walked away from that and just started, you know, really working on the fiction. And I was fortunate that my sister-in-law, she is just one of those amazing people who was – loved English, loved reading, and had a very sweet, gentle way of guiding me into going from a storyteller into an actual writer, because I I was bad, you guys. Like, it was really, I was bad. (laughs) So I've even told BYU that 
I'm going to donate my my very first manuscript because I was I I just recently rewritten it and what was originally one novel is so far two novellas and two novels. Oh wow. wow. Because I was just telling the story. I didn't like I didn't have any skill. I didn't have a toolbox of writing, you know, ability. He would just go through and fix what my worst problem was at the time and say, well, you should work on this, and I'd go through and fix it. And it took me seven years to get that first book written in a way that I was like, you know what? If nobody else likes it, I'm happy with this. So that's where I started. She helped you to really kind of develop into a writer. Were there any other things that helped you build your toolbox? I was kind of in a unique situation because because I used to work for the CIA, I have to send anything with any kind of intelligence in it to the CIA before I can show it to anyone else. So I couldn't be in like a critique group or send pages to people. Like all of the things that are really helpful for new writers were things that I just simply didn't have access to. So I probably the biggest thing I did for myself was I was a I've always been an avid reader. Just I would read and um, read things over and over and over again. And I didn't realize until much later that what I was doing is I was I was really tearing apart what people what I liked in other people's writing to try to figure out what their structure was and what tools they were using to make me have you know a, re, a an emotional reaction as a reader. So that's really a lot of it was self taught. And then having that guidance of when I was trying to use these new tools, I was figuring out on my own. You know, having my sister-in-law to, to help me kind of guide what was working, what wasn't. And then, of course, you know, I would read books on writing, too. But I, mean, I was a complete closet writer. I mean, like, my husband did not even know I wrote anything until I sent in my first manuscript and said, all right, honey, I sent in my manuscript. And he was like, what manuscript? <laughs> no clue. Now, it, granted, I am former CIA, so if I need to keep a secret – you know how to keep a secret, but I didn't know I was quite that good until that moment. So that's fantastic. <laughs> now you said that having to keep everything quiet and figure it out on your own is that something that you like have to sign on your way out that you won't do that you won't send any of, um, anything in like that. So basically, what happens is it's not even going out when you leave the CI; it's walking in. So uh, when you walk in, you sign a secrecy agreement and. I mean, when I was in, they actually will check everything you publish. Um, it doesn't, I mean, I could be writing an article on potato farming, not that I know anything about it, but I, you know, had I tried, they'd be like, all right, let's make sure there's nothing in here that would be, a, you know, potentially a threat to national security. So even though so, it was just a hobby, you knew it would have to go through them. Yeah, so it's, that's always been an issue. And originally, the first book I wrote was not suspense. Um, it was actually an Olympic story. And... um when I did that one, I was like, oh, this is great. It won't, once I leave the CIA, it won't be a problem because I'd actually started working on it when I was still inside. And um, and it just, it wasn't quite right. And I even sent it into my publisher. And after sending in the one that ultimately became my first novel, uh, Undercurrents, when I sent that one in, I was like, you know, the skill set of my writing quality from one to the other is pretty significantly different. Like, and so I actually called up Covenant and I said, can you send me that one back? I'm like, I really don't want you to move it forward. I, I think it, it needs too much work. And it literally has sat on my shelf since 2003 until I finally, you know, got it got it moving again. So, in fact, my 
the second one is, is currently in submission right now, but the other one will come out June of next year. So, well, that's so yeah, it's really good to see it really becoming what it needs to be. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I have a lot – I mean, I'm sure you all know people that are in the same situation of, you know, I've got friends who um, – like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed for my first book. I don't want anyone to read it. I just want to, you know, <laughs> buy them all back and, and everything. And I've never felt that way. I mean, yeah, I can see the difference between where I started and where I am now. But I can still pull my first book off and, and start reading it and get totally sucked into my story and, and still wonder, like, how in the world did this ever happen? Like, what miracle <laughs> occurred that these words all were put together in a way that it made sense? much less created a picture, you know. That, that kind of answers one of the other questions I was going to ask you, at least it feels like it does. I was going to ask if you thought being a writer was a curse or a gift, but that sounds like you definitely see it as a gift. Yeah, I mean, there's always that challenge of, you know, and I think people who don't write don't completely understand those of us who do <laughs> because our our fictional world and our fictional characters are real. And so it's, you know, you wake up at four in the morning because one of your characters is like, you know what I'm going to do today? And you should write this down before you forget. And it's like, you know, can I just please? And it's like, and you know, every time you think, I'll remember, I'll remember by morning, you don't. And so then you spend the entire day trying to recapture this one brief moment in your subconscious, you know. So, I mean, I normally keep a, you know, a keyboard or something by my desk so that I can just wake up long enough to roll over, type it, type it up, and then go back to bed. And you know, and then of course, ten minutes later, it's like, and this is what's going to happen after that. So, you know, usually, usually my climaxes, people will say that you know I kept them up late at night, you know, reading books and stuff, especially my suspense. And I'm like, oh, trust me, you only had one night of lack of sleep. The climax didn't write that quickly. Like it was a week. No, not again. That's one of my favorite questions, actually, the cursor gift, because I think it's so unique, uh, the things that we pull from our writing experience, and it's almost always a little bit of both. One of the things I thought, what was the toughest criticism that you've had so far? I know you've had some really great support. Have you had any criticism that's been a little bit hard? You know, I don't know that I've really, I've been very fortunate. You know, I look at some authors out there who are amazing authors that just get slammed with, with some not great reviews and things like that. And, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite reviews ever, and it was, I think, a one-star, one- or two-star reviews, but it was awesome. I'm so bummed because it actually got taken down when they reset my book. But it was something along the lines of, you know, I like to have, I like blood and gore in my violence, and I like, I like, more steam and you know like basically more steam in the in the romance and, and all this stuff and I was like and as I'm reading going yes this is fantastic if somebody wants what this guy wants they shouldn't read my book that's great <laughs> and, you know but I was like this is fantastic if somebody was actually reading this review looking for a bad review if they're looking for something that you know is entertaining but doesn't have to go down into that really graphic violence you know I, I prefer to let people, let their imaginations go as far as they're comfortable. Like, I don't like to, to, I don't like to watch it, so why would I want to describe it to somebody else? And so that review I thought was the best, because I'm like, yeah, you know, it can be harsh and not really harsh. But I haven't, like, every once in a while you'll have somebody who's like, oh, something's a little cliche or whatever. But generally, like, I even got, I got evaluations back yesterday on, on this one book, 
And one of them was just glowing. Oh, my gosh, I loved it. It was so great. And the other one was just like, yeah, I wasn't really a fan all the way through. Like, they just it just didn't really connect. And they, and they But even going through with that, they were making all these different points. And I, and I went back to my editor. I said, all right, I'm going to wait on your opinion on this one because I can see a valid point in everything they're, they're pointing out. But it, some of these things are completely changing the dynamics of the book. So we need to decide together how we want to move forward and what we want the end product to look like. I'm not going to just randomly guess without my editor's, you know, opinion. I've been very fortunate because when, when I, at the time it was really hard when I first started, I actually had for my first six books, I went through five different editors. My first four books were all different editors. I, so until book five, I never even had a repeat editor. And I promise it wasn't me. They were all leaving on their own accord. Did not have anything to do with with working with me. I promise. But um, but you know, having gone through that with different people's styles of of critique and and everything else, it really helped me learn how to take criticism even better than I think I already did. And so when you're doing that, it's like when somebody criticizes you. It's for me, it's always like even Goodreads. A lot of authors will avoid it. I'll scan through it on occasion more when I'm about to write another book in the same series just to see if people had comments that I can learn from moving forward. So I, I said, I've been, I've been very blessed. I mean, I hope nobody listening thinks that's a reason they should go show me what it feels like to get slammed. But if you're, if somebody's going to criticize, you want it to be constructive in a way that you can say, all right, this could have been better in this way. You know, yes. and most people have done exactly that for me. And that's wonderful. That's a, that's a very useful skill to develop to be able to to take that criticism and use it to benefit your your writing going forward. Well, and I love that you went back to your editor with that, and it just kind of shows that relationship and how amazing it is to have a great team together. That oh really- yeah. I did have a thought while you were talking. I was wondering, has the CIA ever had to take anything out that caused any problems to a manuscript? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very odd. The first, so they've had different processes. You know, and, and in fact, I've even been part of their audit process because um, of I send in so much to them. But <laughs> the first, the first time I received an email that basically said um, to redact, like on this page, on this, in this paragraph, on this line, delete words four through six or whatever. <laughs> and so it just was this cryptic way of saying this is what you need to change. And I'm like, really, like. This stuff. And so I even asked, I said, all right, I'm, I'm more than happy to do this, but can you explain why, what was the, what was the logic behind this? So I don't make this similar mistake again in a different way. And they yeah. said, well, because it was, it was information that really the public, you've seen a, hints of it in, in Hollywood and things like that. They said, well, we know that these things are out there, but by you putting it in your book, you're actually giving it credence. Like you're confirming that this is accurate. And we, we, this is information we can't have that confirmed. We want it, you know, there's, there's two different, too many different versions out there. We don't want you to be specific and people to know what's really going on. I was like, okay, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in all honesty, the, um, the, the CI Publication Review Board, they are extremely helpful. I've even had a New York agent emailing me because they had a, an, a somebody going through that had a bunch, a significant number of redactions. And they said, how do you deal with this? And, and it, this was somebody It was like, I had a, we had a mutual friend that that's how they'd gotten a hold of me. And I was like, you know, really, 
is if your author goes forward with the understanding that they simply are trying to protect this country and they want them to be successful, if you work with them as a team, they are so helpful. And so I've never had any problems. Like, I, have, I mean, I have had one of my fun moments, and I'm sure I've stashed it somewhere, is I have um, – I was sent a, this nice little let, cover letter from the CIA, and it was even talking about, like, what their um, their appeal process was and everything. <laughs> and it basically had – they'd given me a couple of pages of my manuscripts, and I had, you know, those big black marks that you see on redacted documents? Oh, wow. They redacted my manuscript. <laughs> So that was their next version of sending things to me. It's always like little random things that I'm like, okay, what, you know, what is this? And and sometimes the things I think I'm going to get dinged on are not a problem at all. But, you know, every once in a while I do, you know, I'm taking, it's been a lot of years since I've been in the agency. And so I'm taking to what I know from 20-something years ago yeah. to, um, you and then taking it forward to what I think they would do now with today's technology. And so sometimes I get a little too close to home without meaning to, and sometimes I'm perfectly fine in whatever I'm using there, like, yeah, whatever. So, but like I said, they, they're very helpful, and, and it's it's rare for me to get a redaction. It's only happened maybe three or four times at that, um, and usually it's, this is what we recommend you do because we think this would keep your story intact without causing any major problems. So they're like, they're awesome. I mean, I love these people. So I've really enjoyed your Guardian series. I've been kind of following them. And I wondered what you could tell us about your newest one. What are you excited about with that? So thank you, first of all. But that, this one is, I'm excited about because I I originally was writing, so my book, Royal Air, I was writing that one when I went over to Europe. I guess it was two years ago now. And it's, you know, Royal Air was pretty much like, Mediterranean, warm, you know, summertime, that kind of scenario. And here I'm like fall, walking through with these gorgeous, the leaves changing colors and all this kind of stuff in Europe. And I was going through, like I went into, um, I flew into Copenhagen. I spent a day in Malmo, Sweden. And then I, I actually popped into Paris to, to visit my daughter for a day. But then I went to the Baltic states. So I went to, flew into Vilnius, uh, Lithuania, and then took the bus over to Riga, Latvia, and then I think I flew from Riga over to um, to Estonia into um, Tallinn, and then from there I actually took the ferry across the, the Baltic Sea to Helsinki, where I met up with Sarah Eden and Annette Lyon and Jeanette Rollison. Oh, <laughs> and so I get as far as Riga, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm trying to sit at night, you know, like let me put, get a few words down or whatever. And I get this story in my head. I'm like, oh, this is what I need to do. So I just start writing this book. So I completely set my royal one aside and started <laughs> writing this book that was set in this part of Europe in the fall and, you know, got to enjoy the the colors and everything else, you know, as I was writing. And a lot of – one of the things that I do when I travel is I I try to always if – if possible, I try to go into a city one way and leave a different way. So, like, my first time to go into Paris, I came in by train on a, one of their local trains from Amsterdam, and then I flew from Paris to, you know, this, I think it was London or something. So, I always try to go in different ways because I like to travel more with the way the locals do. And one of the, one of my ways, like, being former CIA, you don't really want to be noticed as an American. It's just better not to. 
Yeah. And so my way of dealing with that is I just try to blend in to the point that, um, like, last time I was in Paris, I had two different people ask me at the airport um, if they were on the right train. You know, and, like, one of them was from Marseille. Like, it was, so I had the same thing happen um, going from Sweden into Copenhagen of somebody asking me, if you know, in a different language. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. But, I mean, sometimes I can kind of figure it out. But anyway, it's just, it's comical that generally people don't know that I'm, you know, that I'm not American when I'm traveling, especially. And that's why I love to do some travel on my own. I travel by myself a lot of times so that I absorb what, the locals are doing rather than seeing a bunch of just touristy stuff. So that's, that was one of the things I love about this book for On the Run is a lot of the things I did ended up being in the book, like, you know, my ferry rides between Tallinn and, and Helsinki was on there. Just, you know, you're breathing. It's so gorgeous over there during the fall. And so a lot of that, you know, I didn't, wasn't able to bring in as much as I want because it was such a race. <clears throat> but even to the point of, like, there was this guy that, unwisely decided he was going to try to escort me to my hotel and was like, oh, you can just come stay with me. You don't need a hotel and da-da-da. And, like, he was trying to take my phone to give me his number and all this stuff. And so that turned into a little incident, you know, in my book that, that you know, because wow. you have to use what you, what you know. <laughs> so anyway, you know, just little things that were fun. So I had a lot of – and I, I always loved – like, I love using places I've been, but – when I'm writing, I don't want to use so much the setting that everyone, like, they lost the point of the story. And right. so I'm hoping that it was, I think it was a pretty good balance of, you know, being able to take some of the things that I really enjoyed about that part of the world and then also take some of the, you know, oh, my gosh, somebody's trying to steal something from me, probably. <laughs> you know, what can I do now? So, anyway. No, that's one of the things I love really is that I kind of feel like when we read your books, we can really trust that what we're seeing is real because we, you do research to an extent that we know you uh, understand what you're writing about. And I, I really appreciate that. I think the setting does come through and um, it transports us a lot. So. Well, thanks. It can be painful when I'm looking at a single one. I know exactly what's going to happen and I don't know how to get it from my fingers onto the screen, but. <laughs> Once it's actually there, I'm like, okay, now I'm better. Now, like, now I know what really happened. So I, I have one more question. I've heard you talk about this. Hillary doesn't remember, but I'm pretty sure she because I hear things and they're amazing and they're wonderful that I forget. <laughs> <Because>. <laughs> but uh, I, I did have someone else who loves your books, and I asked her. I said, "What kind of questions would you ask Tracy if you could?" Her one question, because she's a beginning writer as well and she said how does she keep up with all of her characters across all these books oh my gosh so you know every once in a while people are blessed with these super fans that are awesome (laughs) (laughs) and there are a couple that I have actually on occasion will email and say do you remember the name of so-and-so or um so Bring them. I would tell, so my advice for a beginning reader or beginning writer would be start right away with a character Bible and like that, that goes across John, like your different books. So keep a, a character list and say which book they're in, just the general characteristics of them and that kind of stuff. I've, I actually hired an assistant to go through all of my books and <laughs> add them all into a spreadsheet. And so I now have, like, a Word document with all of the 
characteristics from my um, audio guides. I've got another one that has the list of, like, organized by first and last names with possible names. And I, I even recently was watching somebody, uh, it was actually an annual class, um, writer's conference, and it was talking about how to write 20,000 words in a day, which is beyond me. But it was more tips of how to be able to keep writing without getting those little interruptions. And one of them was have a list of characters that you can draw from. And so that's that's one of my big challenges. Like one of the reasons my books will often intertwine. In fact, I just had a couple of characters pop into my current book that I didn't expect to show up. Um <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, I need an FBI agent. Oh, I have these three I can choose from. Which one would fit the best, you know? Wow. And I'll I'll literally pull from previous characters because I already know them. And I don't have to name them again. Because when you've written 30 books, that's a lot of names. That is a like, lot. Of- it's a lot. And I I don't know how many times I've used the same name multiple times. But, you know, I don't want to confuse my reader, you know, the readers that, oh, is this the same person as this person? And you do, a lot of times we will fall back on, on similar names and not realize we're doing it. My first and third book, have a, I already had a repeat name oh, that weren't the same person. I mean, it was that fast that I, so people think they'll, they'll be able to keep track of it. And, you know, when you think of the friends you had, you know, in elementary school, however many years ago that was, and you try to think of, try to name everybody who was in your class, you can't do it. Like you think you'll at the at the moment you think you will remember all of this forever and you just don't. So at least I don't. So right, true. So yeah, that was an excellent question. I I I'm still trying to find the answer, but I <laughs> hope someday. But it sounds to come up with it. Some in place now to to help with that. That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, and in fact, I my my current assistant's actually my daughter. I will I'll text her and say I need a name for somebody, and I will give her a basic description and say give you some options. And so she's often naming my characters, like the side characters are giving me the, all right, here's some, here's some suggestions. Like, like last week I gave her six names. I said, I need names for all of these people. Figure it out. (laughs) I love it. It's so much faster to have her do it than me. (laughs) I just love, I love, because one of the things I'm getting from this conversation is to be a successful writer, it's great to have a team you can depend on. Great editors that you can work well with. You know, people to help keep you straight on who's where and when and why, and and then the CIA as well being part of your team for oh yeah, these realistic. Well, and in terms of other authors, people who know your content and um, can help you keep things straight that way. Yeah. Absolutely, and well, and the other thing too, I, and I have learned over the years how to be able to pull things out that CI is not. I wouldn't have a problem sharing. Like sometimes it's just one of my sweet romance type things. Um, or scenes that don't have any intelligence in them or whatever, but that I can share with my critique group and stuff. And then, mm-hmm. like, um, and, and I'm lucky, like, Paige Edwards is in my critique group, so she, um, she's been great. And then, you know, the other people are just, they're going to be, the, they're the types that are probably going to be New York Times bestseller authors by the time they're, you know, mm-hmm. once they break through, they'll just start big. But, but then I also have, like, Sean Bessie and I will often text each other during the day of, so what's the goal today? You know, you talked earlier about accountability and, you know, that's, that's one of the things that has really helped me that trying to help somebody else stay focused helps me stay focused. And like, I don't want to say, well, I only got 86 words today, you know, because I just didn't do anything after I got out of bed, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's also great to have that support of saying, 
hey, you know what, I know you're dealing with a lot right now. Maybe you should just take a day off. You know, it's okay to be human for a while and to say family is going to be a priority for a little bit so that I can um, figure out my balance if, if I'm, you know, if we're out of balance. So sometimes it takes another writer to recognize that, hey, you're, maybe you're a little off right now. You know, maybe like one of my girls in my writer's group, she was just, she's like, I've just been a slump. I haven't really written for a while. And she'd recently gotten a rejection. And, and we're all like, hey, you are an amazing writer. but you know, instead of trying to push, you should be writing right now. Hey, get get the keyboard back out. It was more of, you know, maybe this would be a good time to look at other agents, and even if you don't don't query, do that. Or maybe it's time to do some research, and you know, just do a lot of reading. Get excited about, you know, what makes you passionate about what you're doing. And I think that's that's where I've been able to have the career I've had is because I still love doing this, even though it drives me crazy a lot of times. I still. I love doing it, but I also love the people that, you know, I'm just, you guys included. We, we, we get so many friendships from having that common, you know, understanding of what this world is like to, to try to <laughs> literally take a blank page and say, let's create magic on it. This made my morning right there. That was wonderful. I know. We're going to go right after this. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. New, new things to read. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, Tracy, it's been so wonderful having you with us today. Is there any last words of advice or anything about yourself that you would like to share with our listeners? If I were to give advice to people, it's simply that all of us have our own purpose and our own, own way of doing things and to not let anyone else tell us how to do, um, you know, especially for writing, how to do that or whatever else for, you know, we found is our purpose in life to to find, you know, to be true to ourselves in that, because all of us have been given these different gifts that are really given to us to put light into the world, and so we all have to be true to that of not chasing a dream that is somebody else's or to impress somebody else, but to do something that is truly going to give us our satisfaction and our our contentment. That was an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank you so much too. for getting up <laughs> and doing that with us. We well, thank you for having me. This was fun talking to you all. I'm so excited. I hope things go well with your book, and we'll make sure we put links to it in the podcast. Can we invite you to uh, help us with our sign-off? Okay. We want to thank everyone for listening in today. It was our conversation with Tracy Hunter Abramson, and we hope you all have a great week. And if you haven't already, keep writing or start writing. writing. The hard thing is is that you know, you don't get to where you're really making a career where you can live off of writing until you have a huge amount of books if you're with a small press. I mean, I'm just now hitting it in the last couple of years. Right. But people don't realize, but I'm also in a, with a publisher that keeps pretty much all of my books in print. And most, most publishers don't do that. None of my series ever really end. They just kind of keep going. So, Which people enjoy. People enjoy seeing recurring characters and yeah, new people. So that that's actually a great plan. Yeah, and it totally happened because I don't like the same characters. It's like total laziness. <laughs> like, oh, wait, so. bring them back. <laughs> yeah, you probably had several trips canceled, didn't you? Uh, seven and counting. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so yeah, I, was to, I was supposed to leave for Germany the day our county shut down, and wow. then I was supposed to leave for Sarajevo two weeks later. <laughs> Oh, so you're I'm trying to. I'm trying to right now. It's like okay, I'm writing a book that um, 
the research I was going to – it totally changed the book because I couldn't do the research I would have – was going to do. So. Wow. Are you going to have to do backup research, or are you, are you just changing the way you do that, or how are you handling it? So basically I'm changing it so that um, in the storyline I was going to do, it was going to go through Sarajevo and some of that, you know, the Balkan states. And so instead I'm like, I've already been to, um, to, to um, Paris a few times. My daughter spent a, a semester abroad there. So I was like, I'll just go ahead and set it there and kind of stay in that region of Europe that I'm more familiar with. Yes, I, I, I honestly, like, I was telling my editor, I was giving her an update on my current book. Actually, it's another Guardian book I'm writing right now. And um, so I was like, I'm kind of scared because I think I know who the bad guy is, and I'm only 150 pages in. So I could be wrong. And so sure enough, I wake up this morning, I was like, you know, I'm not sure that that's really who it would be. I think it might be this. I'm like, I don't even, like, I don't even think this character's been introduced yet. I have no clue. So eventually I'll have to go back and figure out where this person is and make sure they show up at some point. But, um, but even, like, I typically, you know, a lot of times when you're dealing more with the romantic suspense or romance, you're only dealing with sometimes two points of view. And I typically have at least one or two more. Yeah. And as I've been writing this current book, I, I only had the male and female leads. And I said, I was telling a friend, I said, I don't know who the other, what, who the other lead is. Like, I think there's somebody else, but I haven't figured out who it is yet. And so sure enough, here I am, like 165 pages in. And I'm like, I know who it is. I now know who it is. So now we'll have to go back and weave in those scenes for this person as it's going. I, I do, I love the cover they did, but they'd forgotten to assign the cover for it because they knew I had a book coming in March, but they had mistaken, like they had jumped forward to my June release because they were used to me doing two books a year and now I'm at three. Oh, and wow. so they, they completely missed, like they totally skipped over my book and had forgotten to do a, do a cover. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, well, Sanctuary was ready to go, and you guys didn't have a cover on that one either. Do you guys not like my Guardian series? Or, like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs>